Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Great Iron Blitz right here on Block Talk Radio and Apple Podcasts. Your host, Oscar Lopez, episode 220. We are going to be chatting today with our co-host, Darren Stanky of Stank Sports. We're going to be talking Western Women's Canadian Football League 2018, which kicks off this weekend. We're going to be talking Saskatoon Valkyries, Regina Riots, Calgary Rage. Um, a lot of excitement coming up for the WWCFL season here in 2018 and and at 7 p.m 10 p.m eastern uh we are going to be talking to the portland fighting shockwave with their quarterback veronica ferguson their pn Tess bear and head coach tim price on the exciting season that they've started out with 4-0 so uh we're going to talk playoffs from last year that didn't happen and we're going to go into the matchup that's coming up this weekend may 5th as they take on the Los Angeles Warriors. So uh, welcome aboard to the Blitz. And uh, don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel for amazing shared videos of Girls Point American Playlist, 2018 playlist for uh, WFA as well, and Legends Football League. So week one and week two, we'll recap at the bottom of the uh, half hour here in terms of that slate. And we'll also go into detail with Gridiron Victoria and LNFA Feminina, which is playoff mode and championship time there in Spain and Australia. So let's bring in into the uh, Gridiron Blitz here. Hello. Mr. Darren Stanky. Hi, Darren. How you doing, buddy? Hi. I'm doing pretty good. Uh, How are things going out there? We're doing great. Can you uh, hear busy me? Busy man, I presume. Yeah, I can hear you clearly. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh well of course up here in Canada we got hockey playoffs going on. It's getting down to conference finals and league finals times and and uh so of course you get busy a lot with that and then of course the Western Women's League Canadian Football League starting up here and then believe it or not, three weeks CFL training camp start. Which is Yeah, it's uh, pretty exciting. Moved, yeah, so they moved the schedules up for that and uh um, which called to right now in Canada on the hockey side. Uh, of course, the Winnipeg Jets and the NHL are playing Nashville right now, and they're down three nothing. So, I pretty much will be able to be focused on the radio show here. Uh, it's too you're cutting funny. you're cutting off your season short already, huh? No hopes for the Jets. Uh, no, I, I think they'll be eventually. Hopefully, they'll be okay and stuff. But uh, yeah, you just don't like falling down three nothing game three at home to Nashville and stuff. So. No, exactly. Um, my Kings fell to uh, the Golden Knights of all people here, so that was kind of a crusher for me too. Uh, but they've been playing good. Yeah, my, Vegas, uh, is, Vegas is top notch. Oh yeah, the um, actually one of my uh, friends, Kelly McCrimmon, is their assistant general manager. He's really smart hockey guy. He owns the Brandon Weekings up here, and trust me, a lot of the moves that the players they've collected, you could lay back to Kelly. <laughs> Oh, look, insider news that we got here. Perfect. Awesome. <laughs> uh, look at Darren coming yeah. up with the insider here. Well, they built 
they build a juggernaut. I mean, this is not an expansion team by no means. Um, you know, when you look at the roster and everything that they peel through together, there's just no comparison to, you know, previous teams in the past where you were building off, you know, the draft primarily. I think this team was yeah. really strategically built, like you said, by this, by whoever was, you know, the organization itself. Um, and, and they need yeah. that in Vegas to succeed. You know, they, they have to be relevant on the West Coast. Otherwise, they go they go kind of like what the Arizona team has been doing, you know, up and down. Oh, yeah. And then if you're winning, you've got the interest. But if you're not winning, especially Vegas, then you don't totally have the interest there. And, of course, in Vegas, there's a lot, of, lot to do. But if you're winning, then people that come from the, go there for all the sports casinos and everything are going to stop in and check all that out. Yeah, so it's been pretty exciting, uh, NHL Stanley Cup Finals. I mean, disappointed for me because my Kings are out. But, you know, the way it's the way it goes. And yeah. uh, they fought hard, uh, but they just, they just couldn't, uh, couldn't punch it in the net. I mean, they played pretty aggressive, yeah. but they just couldn't punch it in. So uh, hats off to the Vegas Knights. I, I think the Sharks are have a battle, against, a battle up against them. And you also alluded here to the Jets against the Predators. Predators have just been so good for the last two years. Kind of reminds me of the Kings yeah. of 2012 to 2014. You know, I mean, just consistently good. Yeah, and of course the uh, Predators were in the final last year, and then uh, of course, uh, well, the one crazy thing with that series is Nashville finished first overall in the league. Winnipeg actually finished second and played through division. They ended up, of course, meeting in the second round. But everybody in NHL really at this point so good. There's so much parity in that. Talking hockey a bit here, but yeah, it's just there's so much parity in that in that league and stuff. And I know I think I joked on Twitter with Nashville going up three nothing. I said this is God's proof that He favors Carrie Underwood. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Because of, oh, okay. of course her husband, uh, Mike Fisher, plays no, no, sure. one of these centers for <laughs> for Nashville. So <laughs> sure, of course. Uh, no, but yeah. they, you know what? Nashville's, Nashville's the place. Predators have been good. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then guess mm-hmm. what? Uh, the owner of the LFL, what does he do? He takes advantage of that. He starts, he moves mm-hmm. and puts the team in Nashville. So good business move on his behalf. And that is the first franchise team that we know of in the Legends Football League. So there's oh, cool. that's the first franchise team in LFL history, the National Knights, because somebody had interest there. So uh, we'll see how that turns out in terms of longevity, but for the for the most part, good fanfare so far. Um, so Darren, uh, off season pretty well. Regina, Saskatoon is literally the clash of the mm-hmm. Titans in this uh, Western Canadian uh, league, and coming up this uh, you know May through the summer, basically we are going to see literally the cream of the crop, which is the Perry Conference. Um, last year, I was mm-hmm. very, very impressed with Calgary, primarily, and I was very impressed mm-hmm. with uh, Edmonton, who have who have basically tasted championship final, but they just cannot compa- compete with Perry, the Perry Conference. So, um, do you see anything changing at this point this year? Well, of course, one of the big changes they've done in the Western Women's Canadian Football League is they actually have changed up the playoff structure this year. So um, what's going to happen, of course, out of the eight teams in the league, of course, they're split within two divisions or two conferences. Uh, 
they'll still play off through the first round where one first place plays four, second place third, right? And then after the first round, they're going to cross over, cross over on conference. So the highest remaining seed in one conference will host the lowest re- remaining seed in the other conference in the second round. And basically, conceivably, what could happen here with this is you end, you could end up with a situation where you have Saskatoon and Regina in the final. And I think one of the reasons I think they planned on doing that was partially, of course, Regina and Saskatoon traditionally in the seven first years this league has been around. They have been the class of the league, and they've been head and tails above everybody. And then their conference final game has always been so intriguing, and there's always have been pretty good excitement around that and it ends up usually being the best game of the year and they're like well if uh, at this point if it shakes down to that where those two teams are still like the best and the odds are pretty good they still will be the best well they made sure to set it up that um it's possible to get them both into the championship final to with uh changing up the playoff format this way well, I mean, I, you got to applaud the uh, leadership at the league level to kind of notice that mm-hmm. because that will obviously keep fanfare, you know, coming back. And it, it has been true, right, to your point. It has been true mm-hmm. the last two years. Th- these two teams have been the marquee game in the semifinal. So it's been, mm-hmm. you know, the game to watch. And then you get to the, you get to the finals and we get a blowout. And nobody wants to see a yeah. blowout on the final. You know, so it's yeah. it's just – it's unfortunate, but that's, you know, last year the blow was 53 to zero. Nobody wanted to see that yeah. as much as exciting yeah. as it was. It wasn't as exciting as, like you said, the week before when the semifinals happened and they were, and they went pretty much toe to toe. So, I mean, you, you, you gotta, like, I guess at this point, that's good business sense on terms of the uh, leadership in the WWCFL. Yeah. And also too, this year, Regina is hosting the, uh, Western Women's Canadian Football League Championship game, and they're going to be hosting it at uh, New Mosaic Stadium, which is, of course, the uh, stadium, the Saskatchewan, the new stadium the Saskatchewan Rough Riders play out of. Because uh, last year, they uh, basically they uh, in the Prairie Final, the um, Valkyries in the right, they closed out legendary Taylor Field as the as the last competitive tackle football game ever played in that faci- that historic facility, and it's pretty much been up until last season was the only uh, stadium the Riders played out of. And uh, yeah, so this year will be the first year the Riders play out of, play their games out of New Mosaic Stadium, the new stadium. So yeah, they're going to host the game there. And then by my understanding, the Access 7 will probably show it. So you're going to get get the game on local cable down, down in the, at least in the southern part of the province here too. So even from Larkin's point of that game, if it ends up of course, Saskatoon and Regina, and they have what they the type of battle they've had in the con, the Prairie Conference final the last two, three, and four years. You are going to have people get interested because it'll be pretty make for pretty good TV. Yeah, and uh, they have uh, they just that just got announced. I think uh, today, I, I think it was announced that they're obviously going to go forward, and and I think that's good for the league. Um, is Darren mm-hmm. is is this a league that you think at this point they've done such a good job. Do you think this is the CFL of women's tackle football in Canada? I mean, this is the league because we have the Maritime and then we, we're probably going to have another, another league at some point spring up here in the uh, section. But 
in terms of, of organization and promotion and everything, it just seems that they have done a good job. Yeah, this is, yeah, I would say that this league is more on the women's side is more comparable with the CFL. And I know the two Saskatchewan teams have close relationships with the CFL's Rough Riders. I believe, I'm not totally certain about this, but I believe the uh, Manitoba teams are starting to get some uh, links in with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers of the uh, CFL. I'm not totally sure what the, what the links are. I don't totally know what the links are for the Alberta teams if they're linked in with the CFL teams there. But, yeah, I know with the promotion and everything. Um, I know one thing they would, I, we, they joked around, it'd be kind of cool if, like, the Ryder Valkyries could have, like, an exhibition game against, I remember uh, when the when they had the Canadian National File here, where it was all the provincial teams and the uh, Quebec team was all the girls from the Montreal Blitz made up that team, and that was a pretty good game. And I know there's been talk that'd be kind of cool if they could do something like that. But I know there's uh, airfare in Canada and the travel's quite expensive up here, so I don't know. Yeah, that's right here. That would. I hear that the building. <laughs> yeah, it's sort of yeah, like so... no different. I'm talking to Mark Stafari and. He, he was saying it's a similar case uh, with hockey, you know, uh, east mm-hmm. to west. It gets a little expensive. Yeah. Yeah, and, the, and of course, when you get into outside the NHL and hockey, of course, everybody, like like in the major junior ranks here, you play out of your Western League, and then you play the Ontario Conference and the Quebec League. And, of course, the Quebec League includes all the maritime uh, provinces, too. And then, of course, you have the winners of the three leagues always converge to the Memorial Cup Championship Tournament. But that's the only time any of those teams will play each other outside of the league. And, yeah, part of that yeah. is the expense once you have – if you're flying from one end, traveling, like, in your in your own uh, air, area is okay, but as soon as you have to have a plane flight where you travel from one end of the country to the mm-hmm. other, then it gets – then it gets pricey. dicey and and yeah and pricey that way too. Oh yeah. So. Um, Darren, Any, uh, uh, for future for future growth, do you think um, the Western Canadian team uh, league will go to Vancouver anytime soon? West Coast primarily at this point, or do you think it'll be a couple more seasons before that happens? I think it'd be probably two or more, two or three more seasons before they happened. Um, before that happens, I guess one thing that's always hard to get to, if uh, just knowing Canadian geography for travels, the best part right now with the Western League is all the teams you can get to each other by bus trips, right? Even though they're they're long, they could be four hours, eight hours, but you can get there by bus trips. And the uh, eight teams in the Western Women Canadian Football League are all on the prairie, so it's all flat land. Where uh, to get to Vancouver, like to go from Calgary to Vancouver, I think it's about, you're looking at about a 16-hour bus trip through the mountains. So even for some of the teams, like, yes, and even for some teams, like if you're in Winnipeg, which is right in the middle of of Canada, if you have to go to Vancouver, at that point you're looking at an airplane flight. So, uh, so yeah, the and part of that's just to get over the mountains. If it was flat... It'd be, sure. it'd be easier, but because BC's all mountains, it's all the Rocky Mountains. Yeah. The whole Rocky Mountains cover BC, and it starts a little bit now. Alberta with Banff there, and uh, so that always creates uh, difficulties in travel. And then sometimes you could be del- 
delayed somewhere along the lines if there's a rock slide or somewhere and then you're waiting for two or three hours for them to clear it out if you go by ground so so yeah there's there's yeah so that's uh that always plays into the logistics of everything so i don't think it'll happen yeah just right any too too near in the near future so mother nature plays a big role in the landscapes of things yeah all right um now, Darren, this coming weekend is the kickoff, uh, May 5th, mm-hmm. week one. We're looking at Edmonton taking on the Anarchy. Anarchy somewhat, uh, yep. you know, has played decent ball, but not to the caliber and level of the Storm of the Rage. Um, yeah. We got Calgary taking on the Steel. Lethbridge mm-hmm. has had good roster, good uh, talented uh, athletes in their, in their history. They have been to the final more than once. So they have a pretty good program there. Uh, we, we haven't mm-hmm. talked about them in the last couple of segments on my podcast. We've always we've been kind of hyped on Calgary Rage and Edmonton Storm pretty much for the Western, but we can't count out the Steel. Um, so where, where you see this weekend the Storm maybe overcoming Anarchy and Rage and Steel kind of a battle duo here? Yeah, I'm at this point I would have to say that the Edmonton Storm, because uh, Northern Anarchy they came back after a year off, so they're getting it going again. And the Storm has a pretty pretty much a good nucleus core group of players that have been together for at least five years now. So when you've got that type of continuity, it just you're just able to go. And it just adds so much to football when you have that, too. And then the Calgary Age, they still have, like, a whole bunch of athletes. And then um, one of the – one of the athletes that they have returning this year, of course, is their quarterback, uh, Becky Henninger, who used to be the Lethbridge quarterback. Um, she, the reason she plays in Calgary now is she's got, she's got a job there. I think, believe she's a fitness trainer out there. Uh, so, uh, so yeah, so, of course, she's quarterback in their age. And, like, uh, she's a really good athlete. And then, uh, of course, uh, Aaron Walton's back. And they've got a lot of people back. They got Tolfa Subu back, their linebacker, and then, Alicia Wilson at receiver, so Calgary's looking pretty stacked. And I, one thing I remember that helped hurt Calgary last year was Henninger actually went down early in the championship game, like the second series to injury, and that was yeah. one of the things that, that caused them to fall apart in that fall apart in that game. Because uh, and that's of course in that game, one thing that hurt Calgary was they had ten turnovers, and you never really got to see what they could do in that game. Because of that, but, I really think, uh, but yeah, I, no, I really think the whole the whole squad was probably disappointed overall in their performance. Um, that's why I'm saying that this year I think they're they have to be really infused to get back, um, and it looks like they might just that. But they're they're playing Lethbridge, even Lethbridge without a, a premier quarterback. I think they're still a threat in in the West, oh, yeah. and they've been pretty consistent oh, yeah. in terms of their coaching staff and everything else. So um, in the in yeah. the uh, Clary Conference. Um, we got Riot Fearless. We were talking to Mark Stafari a couple podcasts ago, and his point was very valid. If and when the Wolfpack and Fearless get to a competitive state, um, then it, this Prairie Conference is going to be very dogfight-like. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And uh, actually, I'm kind of interested to see how this that, for, that first Riot Fearless game goes because I'm – I've been hearing I've been hearing some stuff that the fear out of the two Winnipeg teams between the Wolfpack and Fearless. It sounds like the Fearless have uh, this year have a pretty good thing going on, and 
course, the ride and Fearless did play. I know it was an exhibition game. Of course, the ride emptied yeah. the bench last weekend in Regina, but the final score of that actually was only 22 to 17. Like it wasn't usually, even if the ride empty a bench against uh, one of the Manitoba teams in an exhibition game, they usually like hit hit 50 still, right? And it's usually like 50 to 10 or 50 to 7 or something like that. But when you saw that score for the exhibition game, it's like, hmm, okay, that's a that was a little interesting result. Of course, this time it's regular season. They're going to play like you're going to have to play Amy Kowalski and all all of the, like Carmen Aguirre mm-hmm. and all the Riot stars the whole game. So that's going to be a whole that's going to be a whole different ball of wax there. And of course, the Riot like like the Valkyries like. The ride have a whole core of people that have been together for like six years, and they've been spectacular for six years. But I am kind of interested to see how this plays out because uh, even last year, the last regular season game, the Fearless played against the uh, Valkyries. Like that game, if I remember correctly, it was uh, it was within 20 points. Like it was kind of closer than you thought. So mm-hmm. I'm just kind of curious to see how much of a dark horse the Fearless is this year. So yeah, so that could be an interesting development to see, see see what happens with them this year. Now Valkyries always top dogs. Uh, they take on Wolfpack. Wolfpack have consistently struggled to, to you know mm-hmm. to have a great season, even a you know a, a salvageable season. So we're we're hoping that mm-hmm. they you know they come to it. But uh, so this weekend, literally on the Prairie side, you could pretty much pencil in if you had to. Uh, Riot and Saskatoon. Yeah. I mean, Regina and Saskatoon pretty much winning. <laughs> uh, yeah. But the Western Conference is going to be the one that we're kind of have to keep an eye on because Anarchy, mm-hmm. depending on how they come out, uh, Edmonton mm-hmm. has a tendency sometimes in the past to kind of have a letdown game. And so that oh, could yeah. be a, a factor. And then uh, the Calgary, I mean, they cannot be happy with the end result of last year. So they, I'm pretty sure they want to get off right off the box with the, with the first win. Mm-hmm. And I, I actually I like Calgary's coaching staff, like Carlo and see their head coach. Like, like they got they got a lot of good things going on. Like they they did they did come into the championship game a legitimate undefeated record, and then of course they had to play uh, one of Regina or Saskatoon, and that was the ouch part. But it, to me, it felt like okay, you could, you did have a feeling okay, you could tell that they legitimately did some things and they had things together and as I said just the the way that game went, that championship game went last year like like say with Becky getting hurt and then the, all those early turnovers it just like boom it just it just went down on the hill on them so early so and then, and also too that's the first time they're in the championship game then you got you never know how much the nerves are playing into everything where the riots like like the second time in three years they've won it. So, and they played all those big games against the Valkyries, and so they're used to like big games. It's like they're not worried about any of the big lights. So that that played a big difference that year, last year too. No, I agree. I think that that's that's the mental game of where the advantage goes to the right or the Valkyrie, especially in the finals. Mm-hmm. The fact that their coaching mm-hmm. staff is has been in championship formats. The fact that they've it basically it becomes customary, especially in Saskatoon, to show up in the end. Mm-hmm. Um, so mm-hmm. you know, so they I don't think that's a that's you know any it's like they, they're treating it like literally another game 
pretty much. Yeah. You know, another win for game. So where, where the other teams that come into play, I think sometimes they get, you know, like I said, they get into their heads they, or they get intimidated off the block and things just don't work mm-hmm. out. Like you said, with the turnovers, I'm pretty sure that Calgary, you know, didn't appreciate that tape <laughs> with all the mistakes that they made. It could have been better competitive. And they had a great season last year, so we had talked to them. They really were the team in the West that stood out. Mm-hmm. And then everybody was excited yeah. to see if they were going to, you know, knock off the, you know, the big dogs in the prayer conference. That was really the storyline yeah. last year. Yeah. And I, uh, when I uh, featured uh, the Rage last year on my blog, uh, my Stan Sermon blog leading up into that game, it got quite a, quite some, quite a few views and quite a, quite a lot of no, large number of views and quite quite a quite a bit bit of big play like up there like you when I write about the riot and the Valkyrie. So that was good to see. So there you could tell that there was some interest too. Yeah. So it's like, oh that that's good. So you could tell there was attention at least captured going into that game and it wasn't just for the attention wasn't all just on to the Saskatchewan team, of course. Because sometimes you might think, oh, it's going to be on the Saskatchewan team because, well, out of all the Canadian provinces, football the biggest and most important in Saskatchewan. This is one of the big football provinces. And I would also say Quebec, uh, like their minor football, and football's really big out in Quebec too. So those would be the, the two really big hotbeds for the sport. But, yeah, but it was cool, like, seeing the, there was interest in it and what was happening with the Rage. So that was cool to see. All right, Darren, let's go through the schedule here because this is where the fans need to dive in. they got to get their tickets, be in the seats. Uh, and, and in some instances, they're going to be in rainy seats, from what I can tell. <laughs> so bring, the, yeah. bring your ponchos, depending on what area, the, you know, what home game you're attending. Because uh, I think the weather out there gets kind of crazy sometimes. Uh, but uh, overall... Um, we got week one out of the way here coming up this weekend. So Storm, Anarchy, Rage, Steel, Riot, Fearless, and on Sunday uh, finish up the week one slate with Valkyrie's Wolfpack. Then week two, we are assuming the Riot will take the wins. The Riot and Valkyrie take the first yeah. win. So we're looking at a undefeated clash in week two, which is the marquee yeah. game and the marquee you know, teams, which is Regina uh, – being hosted by the Valkyries. So that's going to be right off the bat. Week two is going to kind of set the tone for the rest of the season based on a win or a loss there for by the both teams. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and that's uh, those uh, those games, when they first, especially the, well, all the, every game is a battle. The first one where it's always uh, interesting was because, of course, it's the first time they've seen each other on the season. So it's always interesting how the first game starts out because it feels like there's a bit of a feeling out processed, uh, uh, prodding just to see where each other is at before they both then like in the second quarter, both teams really try to get more aggressive with their play calling offensively and try to exploit some, try to exploit something on each other. And also too, um, of course, both teams, uh, even though they've had their solid cores, they they always have an influx of newcomers. So you're trying to see, okay, what, New player each side's bringing that uh, might be might do something that you that's a surprise that you don't know about or their first time playing and then all of a sudden you get into the game you start realizing oh my god this person we haven't played him before is good and and I know this year two from the Valkyrie side like they got uh, they got of course a good core of veterans but they will be having some 
newcomers, especially at running back, because the big story with the Valkyries is um, this year they'll be going into the season without Julian Friesen and uh, Samantha Matheson carrying the ball for them. And those two have been the running back tandem, and they've been like one of the best running back tandems in Canada for the last four years. But uh, Julian's just beat up with uh, football injuries, and uh, she's got a teaching job in town here in Saskatoon. And and she's just recently married, so she right now she's just gone on to a point where she's just focusing on her uh, work work side of everything, uh, and also just to heal up injuries. But right now she's her life's leaned more to work. Uh, Sam wants to come back, but Sam's taking this year off to get all healed up because just the way she plays, she's your classic slashing power back who has speed, and so she's always going through the heart of all the defense, and when you play like that, you do take a lot of hits, and uh, yeah, she's just trying to heal up all her injuries this year. It's funny, her mom is the equipment manager with the Valkyries, uh, Chris Matheson. Sam told her, don't give away my number 22 to anybody this year, because I'm coming back next year. So, and, but uh, yeah, the, on the running back side, um, uh, it looks, uh, yeah, on the running back side, they actually look like they got, as usual, like they got some pretty good athletes. One I was actually just profiling right now is Devin Peters. I think she's she's going she's in her second year with the team. It's second year of football out of anything altogether, let alone just second year of tackle football. She played uh, the consolation game last year against the the Edmonton Storm and piled up 218 yards on 15 carries and scored a couple times. And the coaches of the Valkyries were like. Uh, they like she played and started linebacker all last year on defense, and the coach was like, "Hmm, they really liked her athletic ability and what she did on special teams." Sometimes returning the balls there, balled there too, and they thought, "Well, we'll experiment." Uh, not knowing that, like both Julian and Sam wouldn't be coming back next year, but they experimented last year. It's like, okay, we'll play her in the consolation game and see what the third place game for the league and see what she can what she could do more or less they thought okay we want to do this to get an idea for the future let alone this year the uh future is now for Devin. so she looks like she's going to be one of the main running backs that'll be carrying carrying the ball and then the other two that's will be funny keeping in matheson's family is um her two younger sister sisters uh kendall mckenna are gonna be the other two backs that'll be kind of at the moment, the start of the season, a three running back tandem for the Valkyries, and uh, McKenna and Kendall both have a pretty good, pretty good speed. Uh, Kendall probably runs a little more similar to Sam, that she'll go through the middle. But uh, yeah, it's, but they, uh, yeah, they both can pile up the yard. They both appear to be able to pile up the yards like the, their older sister could. So. Uh, so that will make uh, your interesting. But it looks like Devin will probably be the main one. And uh, I know when the, they did an exhibition game, it wasn't a total full. It was kind of a mock game kind of style scrimmage because I know they did some. The, when the Valkyries went to Edmonton against the Storm, they did. They coaches planned it on both sides that they were going to try and do different scenarios and stuff. But the um, yeah, Pat Berry, the Valkyries' uh, second-year coach, told me, uh, second-year head coach, he's been with them for whatever as one of the coordinators, but he said, like, yeah, Devin looked really good last weekend. So I'm ex- this season I'm expecting you're going to act- you're gonna see a lot of her and be kind of one of the more newer names that you're going to see everywhere in this league this year. 
And then you get week two also on top of that, you get uh, pretty much if the schedule goes as is on um, this weekend, you're going to get undefeated rage against undefeated storm, two undefeated yep. clashes, one in the West, one in the East or one in the Prairie conference yep. at this point. So that's going to be pretty exciting. Um, and then we go into week three, which is going to be the battle of um, see how the storm comes out of week two. If it's on a loss, mm-hmm. uh, we could be seeing mm-hmm. a uh, 0-1 t- uh, versus 0-2 in week three. Uh, Wolfpack mm-hmm. and Fearless looks like uh, they might be also. It's I, I, I'm looking at week three as a week of winless teams and must want, must win for <laughs> four of these teams. Mm-hmm. It's like who's going to want it more to salvage their season? Yeah, it's in week three. Uh, that's really what it boils mm-hmm. down to because I'm pretty sure that they're going to be coming with uh, with donuts coming into that week where everybody's got a donut mm-hmm. and they're looking for their first yep. week, uh, first win. So um, move on to week four here. So it's going to be Anarchy, Rage. Then we get Fearless, Valkyries, Wolfpack, Riot. Just looks like more of the same. And we we go to week five, which is the rematch, uh, which is the Valkyries yep. getting hosted by Regina. And then you also get the Storm taking on the Rage once again. So uh, week two and week five, it's something to circle if you're a WWCFL fan. Oh, yeah. And uh, it's big time the weeks to circle. And, yeah, I know the people that follow the Rage and the Edmonton Storm will have uh, their head-to-head game circled uh, for sure. Because they do, they do both, both those teams do have pretty good local followings in their, in their cities. And then, of course, like football is huge in Saskatchewan. So anytime any rivals between Saskatoon and Regina play each other, the calendar's always circled for that. So, um, so yeah, and especially the Valkyries and Rocket, they always start off kind of the, the football year every year. So this gets every, this always gets everybody into the big uh, city, the two big city rivalries here in here in Saskatchewan when they uh, start off the year. So we might be looking at five and one versus five and one coming into week five mm-hmm. for yeah. you know, for the Prairie and the Western. Technically, I mean, could be work, we could be looking at that. Um, June 9th is as you stated before. June 9th would be the quarterfinals. Then we get mm-hmm. uh, June 16th and 17th to the new format that you uh, alluded to before, which is the cross conference uh, format. Yes. Yeah. And then on uh, June 22nd. Right, uh, and on yep. June 22nd, we have uh, Regina uh, hosting the uh, ch- the championship for 2018. Yeah, I thought it was the 23rd. I have 22nd down, but I can double check on that. But uh, that's what I wrote yeah, down. Because the, the 23rd's the, the Saturday, <laughs> and that sounds uh, different. Yeah, because usually that would okay. be a Saturday or a Sunday. The 24th Sunday. The 24th is – I don't have my computer right in front of me. The 17th is a Sunday. So I wrote I, – I have down the 22nd, so I don't know if that's the Saturday or the Sunday. But, the 22nd uh, we, is Friday. 22nd is Friday. Okay, so it's got to be the 23rd then, right, or the 24th? Yeah. 23rd probably. Yeah. Okay. So the final is going to be on June, in June uh, 23rd. Mm-hmm. So, Darren – how excited are you to cover this? Um, since we've been kind of networking with you, I've gotten a lot of feedback from our Facebook followers on uh, Gridiron Beauties on Facebook. And your mm-hmm. stuff is top notch uh, because sometimes we can't get 
certain players from the teams to commit to come into an interview or any, you know, folks involved with the league to come to the interview. So between you and Mark uh, Stafari, you guys have been valuable resources mm-hmm. for us to kind of spotlight this league and an elevated level of importance. And at the same time, uh, your insights and feedback sort of brings uh, people between you and Mark sort of brings the fans into the um, environment of what is a WWCFF player, you know, the, the struggles, the successes, and the, you know, elevation of the, the franchises that are relevant in the league. So, uh, you know, I want to just say thank you to you from our fans for the amazing job that you've done over the time that we've been, you know, together in terms of uh, sharing your stuff as well. Oh, thanks. Uh, I, that's that's much appreciated. And yeah, I'd really, if the uh, final, if it ends up being the final ends up being Saskatoon or Regina, if uh, I'm pretty certain, like the odds are in favor that they'll be the two best teams. And if they do end up in the final at, and this year with that being in the, the first year the league's getting to use New Mosaic, they're in New Mosaic and Regina. Like that's going to be a sweet game. It's just. And the whole atmosphere too is like you're in the new stadium, and then you'd have the two Saskatchewan teams if it if it works out that way. And the odds are, and just notice Ritz, and I think all the other teams understand that too. Is like, okay, the other all the other teams realize if you want to get into like the top two, you're eventually going to have to beat one of the Saskatchewan teams. So and they realize that's the big challenge. But to, yeah, I know if that's cool, how the league's going to play out, where it is those two and Ritz those two in the, in Regina in late June, like that's going to be a very, very exciting football game. So, and then, and then also like to the quarterback battle, because of course you got uh, Alex Kowalski with the ride, who's been the veteran and has been like their only starter. And then, um, and of course I know uh, one of my friends, Rob Vanstone writes uh, down in Regina. Um, one of his favorite quarterbacks is uh, the Valkyries quarterback. Now Alex Ellison, who's she's now in her third year. I still remember, when it, she came up in the first year when the Valkyries won the Western Women's Canadian Football League, and she was pretty much just right out of high school. And Jeff Yowsey, that was his last year's head coach, and he's had her and one other girl. They were rotating at quarterbacks, and uh, the other girl, Reed Thorstad, I think is, uh, like, traveling the world now and stuff, but uh, she left after that first season. So Alex has now become the starter for the next two years, and Rob, I know he mentioned to me when he watched Alex play, he goes, she's, like, like Doug Flutie, that's how she plays, and yeah. size and stature, and what she's able to do athletically. It was like, you know what? That was a, a pretty good parallel. Like she, she's so athletic, she can get out, run, run around, make things happen. And then also too, even for how she's able to throw. Like you look at her, she's like five foot six, and she can get that, get the ball down the field. It's just like, it's just unreal. So yeah, so that was that's. I know everybody's be. One of the things when the Riot and the Valkyries plays, everybody will always look forward to that quarterback battle where you have, of course, the steady veteran like uh, Kowalski going out against Ellison, who's basically, oh, God, I think she's she'd probably be turning 21 this year. So uh, the the really the youngster who's, like, found found her groove in the sport early. Yep. Which, you know what, there's a lot of talented ballers in this league that you've showcased, uh, March spotlighted, and uh, so this season's mm-hmm. going to be no different. As we go week to week, mm-hmm. we're probably going to start to see, like you said, 
certain people either, you know, branch out and spotlight or, and also kind of focus on the traditional players that obviously make impacts season to season. But, uh, uh, you know, it's, it's been a great, uh, exciting time for us to follow it for the last couple of seasons. And it's, you know, they've continued to improve on their product, uh, their relationship with the CFL teams. They got, I think they got a scholarship both uh, in Saskatchewan mm-hmm. from both CFL teams. So that right there just oh, yeah. tells me that, you know, the leadership in the league is really community-based and also partnership-based and networking-based, which is very key to a successful, you know, uh, league if you want to sustain it that way and keep the fanfare coming. Um, so I think they've done a great job there in, in terms of their uh, business plan, which a lot of teams don't have that. Here in the States, I think that's what we lack. Uh, because we showcase, you know, 60-something teams, but there's no unity, I think, in terms of the branding. Where here in this league, I think there's a, a real top-notch um, business people in behind the scenes at the league level that are obviously understand what it's going to take to get this league uh, to get noticed and to be elevated, elevated to, in your realm, obviously, they're competing with, you know, the junior, the junior leagues and they're competing with the pro leagues and, and all the other, you know, boys and, and men's, uh, clubs, so it's kind of hard to penetrate that. Just like the, you know, just like the women's hockey, as uh, Mark has stated, uh, women's hockey is mm-hmm. is also at that same mindset as uh, you know the women's gridiron. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, one thing that's kind of nice about the women's league for football, at least, at least when you start, like, because of course they're a spring spring summer league. You start out at the, even right now they still start earlier than the CFL and then they're they start of course their season doesn't clash at all with the, the university season here or the uh, of course they got a pretty the Canadian Junior Football League has a pretty healthy league here too so but they don't clash with that schedule either it's just the CFL for a little bit the only time they might fear more of a clash with the pro league is there's a push on up here because which I still can't believe this is actually happening but um of course, when the CFL finishes the playoffs, it's uh, it's late November, and you've got pretty good snow and cold everywhere. And so now the, there's actually been a movement to get the CFL to move its whole season up a month, just so you could have the Grey Cup played in late October instead of early November. And apparently I have a feeling this might actually come to pass as early as next season. So that would – I know that would – all of a sudden create a conflict where the Western Women's Canadian Football League wasn't being played at, right now isn't being played at the same time as the CFL. If the CFL schedule does get put up, I know that's one thing that's going to be a challenge for the Women's League is now all of a sudden, oh, God, we got to start the same time they do. So, But it, but it's, it's and, just and a weird thing. I'm and you're talking about yeah, facility, facility, facility acquisitions, right, for the games. Yeah, yeah, the facility acquisitions. Then also, too, yeah, interesting, because once the CFL training camps sometimes get going, if there's training camps going at the same time as the women's game, everybody focuses on what's happening with the pro teams here and, and stuff. So it's like, we're here, it's like, okay, right now the, the way the games start, okay, the girls are the first to start, the women's leagues are, the women's league is the first to start off. So especially in Saskatchewan, you're into football, you haven't had any football to follow yet. The women's league is the first to start up, and everybody gets into it right away. And 
Then when the CFL starting, the women's league's in playoffs, so everybody's already hooked into it. It's like, hey, they're in playoffs. We've got to go watch the playoff games. So the interest never really dies off, even though the CFL's starting at that point. And, but, yeah, if they start both at the same time together, I'm not totally sure how that's going to play out. First, uh, we've got to see if the CFL actually does move its schedule up like a whole month, if that does come to pass. I know they'll debate that all this year, but uh, we'll just see, I guess, take each bridge as it comes, but I have a bad feeling that that, pro, that, that action of the CFL moving its season up a whole month, I think that's going to come to pass uh, more sooner than later. Do you feel like, at this point, the leadership's going to do what the U.S. leagues do, which they start in April? Will they go back a month, maybe, uh, for that reason? Uh, that could be po- that could be possible. Um, uh, I th- it could be possible. I think uh, in Alberta it'd be easier to start for some reason. Like Edmonton and uh, Calgary, the snow seems to go away faster, and the cold seems to go away faster in those centers. So it could be possible they could start in April. I know, like for the Valkyries. And riot, like they they would, they they'd be well into training anyway by the start of April, so they could get off and running. But uh, weather-wise, here, like uh, April first uh, this year, there's still pretty much like a foot and a half of snow everywhere in both Saskatoon and Regina. It was like one of those winters where the snow was around until like April 17th, and before it all cleared up, so. It, you would have uh you would start out in colder weather. It's possible they might do that or but still they might still put it off. Like it'll be interesting to see what they decide on that just cuz the way the weather works up here, you could still if you start the first week of April, you could still be starting in pretty good winter conditions. And that that's what I'm saying it's kind of it's going to have to be a little tricky in that sense. Um so they might have to work things around scheduling, uh, or they might even have to go to high school fields or, or you know, get yeah. college college stadiums at some point. Make a decision to go that route too, which they most mm-hmm. of the teams do in the U.S. as well. So there might be yeah. a change. Um, mm-hmm. So Darren, let's keep up with the international mentality here. Um, we're gonna go to Spain right now, so just follow my lead here. Uh, LNFA mm-hmm. Femenina in Spain, they're in the playoff mode. Um, they're gonna be coming up here. Their championship is coming up in about two weeks here. Last week, uh, Barbera rookies took on the uh, Pioneers, which Barbera won, took care of 43-12. to 12. Um, I'm sorry, 43-12 uh, Pioneers, Teresa, I'm sorry. And it was 30-6, to 6, which is the um, uh, the score that was Badalona losing. So they were 0-8 for the season. So the rookies are 7-0 leading the, the – um, the schedule for uh, undefeated for the uh, final. Mm-hmm. And so ahead mm-hmm. of Barcelona, which is four and two pioneers, three and three. Um, you got the reds three and four. The struggle is for second place, which is still wide open pending the, uh, the clash between the pioneers and Buffaloes, which uh, this will happen uh, this May 6th, which is Sunday pioneers come in mm-hmm. three and three, taking on Barcelona four and two big crucial uh, stipulation here: If Buffaloes wins the match, uh, we will. Uh, they will um, mathematically ensure themselves to the final. 
So that's uh, the scenario okay. there. Barcelona needs to win against Pioneers. Um, and then in May 12th, we have the rookies versus Barcelona, which at this point complicates it a little bit. They wouldn't have to win out against Barcel- uh, against uh, Barbera if they can take care of the Pioneers this coming weekend. So, so their job is really to win and get in because if they fail to get in, uh, it sort of complicates everything for the week after, which is uh, Barbera, which already locked in its spot at 7-0. and they, They're pretty much in, in the finals. They would have to beat yeah. the champions uh, to get in, while the Pioneers, if victorious this coming weekend, would have to take care of the Reds. So uh, the scenario there would be um, if the win is for the Pioneers this weekend, it will be decided in the last matchup with the rookies, Buffaloes, and Reds Pioneers as to who goes to the finals against the rookies. So a lot of uh, confusion <laughs> and uh, stuff on the line here in Spain. So um, so technically what it is is Barbera is already in. So they've already clinched. Mm-hmm. So whether they lose, yeah. uh, not this weekend, but the next weekend, it doesn't really matter, um, even if they lose. So it's really mm-hmm. a tough road for Barcelona which has to win, has to win this weekend. It's a better weekend to win this weekend than to lose and have to go face the champions on May 12th. So um, that's the scenario that we have in Spain right now, in terms of the playoff yeah, picture there teams, in Spain. Yeah, when you get a bunch of teams that are close in the standings or close in with the number of wins losses you have, um, especially if one team's undefeated and then you have a, a league where one team's undefeated and you get a like three or four teams that are like within a win or two of each other. You kind of get scenarios like that at the end of the season. It doesn't happen as much in the WWCFL, but it could happen if we ever get uh, the Wolfpack and the Fearless to another level. Then we'd probably be talking Mm -hmm. the same scenario pretty much. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, For the last last week of the season pretty much. Um, But, Mm -hmm. you know, that's the way it works out. Uh, Sabrina Marquez, three touchdowns. Noria Villar, two touchdowns. Uh, Alba, one touchdown. Let the rookies in the win against Teresa. At the half, the champions uh, were at up 21-6 to six with the first two touchdowns by Marquez and the first uh, by Noria Villar. Rocio Martinez had scored for the uh, Teresa Reds. In the uh, Well, Rachel uh, Diaz scored the second TD for the Reds, but the rookies obviously run away with it. Uh, and they take care of business here um, for that, uh, 43 to 12. Um, so that's the win for them. In the other game, it was the Drox girls who have not won in two years. They have not won in two years, unfortunately. Um, so their season ends at 0 and 8 once again, third year in a row. Uh, so they they fall to the Pioneers, and uh, 30 to 6 in a spanking there. Um, this the uh, Pioneers were up 22 to 0 before the half, and they just kind of Claudia Font, who scored two touchdowns, that added two uh, three-point conversions. You got Teresa Echeverria and Nadia Besley. Got the other two touchdowns for the Pioneers. So uh, the Drox end their season by Roser Mejias. And so uh, there you go in the last quarter. So a tough outing or tough season for uh, Badalona, but I'm pretty sure they're, they're going to improve. They did uh, have a couple weeks where they fought pretty hard within, you know, 15, 12 points. So they have improved a little bit, but not enough to obviously be relevant in a win. So third year in a row that they go winless. So they're basically 0-24 in the last three years. So um, 
they got to build on that, unfortunately. So, um, so the yeah, standings right now is rookies are in the finals. Buffaloes are four and two. Pioneers three and three. Reds three and four, and zero uh, and eight for the Drax. So the middle of the pack is what we're talking about for this weekend. Bar- Barcelona must punch it in against the Pioneers to secure themselves a, vic- a, a berth into the final. If they don't, then we're looking at May 12th and May 13th to decide who will go to the final against um, Barbera. So uh, Barbera has owned this league. I think they've, they've won five out of the seven championships, similar to Saskatoon in your league. Yeah. So juggernauts is the word. Mm-hmm. So, oh, that's crazy. That's crazy. I just felt bad for one team that's hasn't won in three years. I've, you see that happen at certain levels of football. I know in Canada, one team that happened to, I think the varsity blues, the university team went like, actually it might've been four or five seasons where they were zero and eight. It's just like, and before they finally won, won a game, but during that span, it's just like, ouch. And you know, the issue you get into Darren is it would be, a, it wouldn't be so bad if the game was so close, but scores yeah. are so lopsided that that one squad mm-hmm. has so much work to do. And it has to do with roster yep. return. Uh, you know, it has to do with mm-hmm. the stability of a roster, you know, uh, the experience of players. So it's, it's not all black yep. and white where, you know, that team's not trying or something like that. And also you have, you, you also get the injury bug along the way with rookies and everything else. So uh, the story behind the story is obviously the, the reality, not so much the, uh, you know, the, the final standing of 0 and 8, I think they played yeah. the hard, the hearts out all season, but they just like you know they were not competitive enough to obviously put a win up. But I'm pretty sure you yeah. know they played hard, hard ball season. Yeah. All right, let's go to Gridiron Victoria in Australia. The Rangers are eight and one. They have already confirmed their uh, Vic Bowl final berth. Uh, they have been scoring outscoring opponent opponents three seventy four to one eighteen. They're on a two-game winning streak right now. Then we go to the Western Crusaders, also 8-1. and one. Uh, They're on a seven-game winning streak. And this past weekend, uh, they took care of business 40-14 to 14 against the uh, Lady Raiders, who are 5-4 and four coming into the matchup. This is their third loss in a row for the Raiders. So they go 5-5. Five and five. They are basically eliminated from the playoffs this weekend. And so it is the Western Crusaders will be taking on the Croydon Rangers uh, for the 2018 Vic Bowl coming up here in, I believe, May 12th. And we will get the updates on our Facebook page for you guys. But uh, this is an exciting league as well, similar to the WWCFL in, um, in Canada. The teams are similar. There's uh, roughly about six teams to play. There are two squads similar to the Wolfpack and Manitoba in terms of you know competition. And then you got the top dogs. Yep you know, the top, top four, three teams in the league. So um, this is going to be a really interesting clash. It is eight and one versus eight and one in the Vic ball final. So this is, this is basically who wants it more. <laughs> yeah. And it'd be interesting. Uh, of course, I haven't seen the head to head results, but I would be assuming that the, the, the eight and one, the one loss would be to each other. So that probably, I'm assuming you know that, that probably had more f- yeah, that would probably add more fuel to the fire too. So, so we got the now, pro- now big trophy on the line the- now. You know what I mean? The yeah. big trophy's on the line yeah, now. now. So got- it's kind of like, yeah. 
and that's the big rubber match and stuff. And I'm sure the oh, both team, both those team, both the Rangers and Crusaders, they're probably going to be pretty geeked up for geeked up for this game. Oh yeah. All right, you guys, you get, get all the information uh, on our Gridiron Beauties uh, Facebook page. I want to thank everybody to, uh, who has supported us. We are going to be hitting almost 6,000 fans on our Gridiron Beauties page on Facebook. Totally, totally appreciated. And we are almost close to 8,000 fans on all, uh, on all our social platforms, between Instagram, Twitter, um, Snapchat, and Facebook. Uh, we're almost close to 20,000. Our goal is 20,000. Uh, to bring awareness to uh, Women's American Football. So we've done that. We've been impactful. All our staff, all our network partners, including yourself, Darren, and, and everybody else that's contributed to the success of everything that we do to spotlight and uh, get, you know, the awareness of the sport up to another level. Um, so it's been an amazing ride, and it continues. Um, the, the other factors that we had in here, the XFFL Extreme Female Football out of Texas, you can get the week nine final scores um, on our Facebook page uh, there. Week nine was the empire 13 wonder woman, 32 you got Spartans zero Warhawks 43. The big clash was canceled because of mother nature. Uh, this past weekend, it was the South Texas generals. They were supposed to host the Corpus Christi divas, but uh, it was uh, basically a uh, mother nature weather that prevented the game from starting. So there was no, uh, there was no uh, game due to bad field conditions. So that will be rescheduled hopefully for next week or the week after. But that was one of the matchups there. The other, uh, the other leagues we're going to cover is obviously FXF Mexico, and that's going to be um, on our Facebook page as well. We'll get the results there up to you as soon as we get week three up there in general, as well as Lexfa out of Mexico. So uh, we cover it all, wall to wall, globe to globe, from uh, – North America, South America, Guam, Australia, Europe, uh, you are basically in tune if you're following us on Facebook at the Great Iron Beauty Space. So, um, Darren, it's been very an exciting hour to talk to you, and I appreciate your time and giving us the insights on what's going to be coming down the pipe here for the 2018 WWCFL season. Awesome. Yeah, thanks for uh, having me, Oscar. And Yeah, I'm sure. Love, sh- love sharing the insights and and for me, just I do I love this love this league, and best part with being being in Saskatoon to get hooked in quite good with the Valkyries, the, the Valkyries and the Riot. I like just have so many because football is a sport I did play up here, and so a lot of my friends coach both teams and stuff. So you get all the connections, and uh, yeah, it's a fun it's it's a fun time and it's a fun league, and it's and it's also it's always awesome. Like even when I interviewed Devin Peters, like just how much she was like oh this is this is like a big thing i felt like i was missing this sport all my life and she said she said to me this was so empowering actually discovering the sport and when your interviews like that's like okay this is why you're kind of around the sport and it, it just it always feels good yeah and, and like i said you know, got to give you credit um you've done some very good pieces um so uh mm-hmm. let the fans know where they can dive into you on twitter on uh, on your uh, blog it's a very interesting blog. You got uh, an array of uh, content, right? A lot of con- content on the yep. blog as well. Yeah, because of course I do. Uh, I do football, and of course, being in Canada, I do a lot of hockey. And of course, one of my career things is I'm a Western Hockey League beat writer by career. So of course, there's 
lots on hockey with that. But yeah, like hockey and football are the two big things in football is the sport I played and and located in Saskatchewan so it works. And yeah, there's the blogs uh stanksermon.blogspot.ca and uh yeah uh, for any any football stuff, uh yeah, it's uh it's always a good good stop in and and even for my past stories got I still got all my past stories from past seasons that include like the the blow by blows of the clashes, uh like the key clashes between the Riot and the Valkyries in the past and I was even going back on them uh last couple of days it's been fun to check through those again. So yeah, they're always a good read. And you know, Mark gets a lot of um props for sort of being a historian of the league. And I think that's your uh, also your cup of tea. The fact that, you know, uh, at some point down the road somebody can actually notate and says, you know, I did play football, you know, and we're talking about grandchildren or, you know, family lineage yeah. and mom played football. Oh no, she didn't play football. And there it is, is you know, Darren's Darren's blog confirms that she played football. You know what I mean? So that's got to get, yeah. gotta also got to be very cool that it's kind of a history piece. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And it's uh, kind of a history piece. And, yeah, like you say, it's, it keeps things tracked. Like, Mark does awesome stuff, too. Like, I've been able to, when I've done research, I've gone on to Canadian football track quite a bit. And, oh, yeah, just because, uh, of course, until I moved back to Saskatchewan, he's been doing this longer than I have. And then uh, you find a whole different insights and uh, background information that I didn't even know. So, yeah, he's he's been unreal. He's been unreal. He's been an unreal help to amateur football at all levels in the country up here. Well, Darren, I really appreciate you making the time. Thank you for all your insights. Uh, we will continue to share and uh bring uh, the fans uh, of women's gridiron the um, level that the WWCFL and we're going to probably look forward to some stories that you're probably working on as we as we go into the, through the season of some of the top players in the league uh, and they're uh, you know spotting spotlighting them and so you know I, we're looking forward to week one I mean this is going to be huge week one's going to be the kickoff like I said I'm excited to see what mm-hmm. Calgary's going to do pretty excited to see what Edmonton's going to come out with uh, we already know with Regina and Valkyries, they usually will, you know, like I said, no guarantees, but of course, uh, way higher percentage for them to come out on top in week one. But uh, mm-hmm. it's going to be pretty exciting week one. Oh, yeah. It definitely will be. And uh, yeah, once again, uh, thanks for having me, Oscar. And uh, yeah, and uh, no, the show has been fun. And uh, I'm sure you're going to have uh, some good uh, interviews there, too. Uh, sounds like uh, uh, Ferguson sounds like a. Veronica Ferguson sounds like an interesting story and looks like the Portland team. I kind of was doing some research and looks like they outscored people 133 to like 30 or something like that. It's like, oh my God. <laughs> I believe they're throwing bullets out there and they're, and they're sticking someone. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> They've been doing a really good job this year. <laughs> um, so Darren, uh, safe travels out there. I will see if I can touch base with you prior to June so that we can kind of get a insights in terms of what the playoffs are going to look like and, you know, this cross conference. So as we get closer mm-hmm. to the June, you know, mid June type uh, mentality, kind of figure out who's going to yeah. come up on top and who's going to be relevant. And it's going to be always interesting to talk about playoffs. Oh yeah. It always is in this league. So yeah, we'll look forward to then. 
All right, Aaron, safe travels. Thank you once again. Uh, we'll be in touch, and uh, have a great week. Yeah, and you too, Oscar. All right, guys, that was Darren Stanky uh, from Stanks Sports. You can follow him on Twitter um, and also on his blog. And so he's the uh, insider for WWCFL for us. He's been an insider for us for a long time, along uh, along Mark Staferi. Uh, and so we get the inside scoop on what's coming up this weekend, big weekend for Western Women's Canadian football, the launch week one. Uh, and so we're excited to cover that this weekend and also the results for the weekend. Um, so. If you haven't gone to our Zazzle shop, go to our Zazzle shop at the No Joke Football Shop for cool T-shirts, leggings, and gifts. Use daily codes and save big. Uh, subscribe to Zazzle Black for free shipping. Check out our stuff. Every sale from the Zazzle shop goes to spotlight another talented athlete globally. And so the No Joke Football slogan, it basically embodies what these girls and what these women do on the field, which is their game is no joke, and it's no joke football. So uh, add us on our Snapchat for athlete takeovers and no joke football brand specials at Gridiron Beauty. You can also follow us on Instagram where you can take take a look at the amazing legendary Danielle Hawkins of the Nashville Knights. So um, we spotlight amazing athletes and moments in women's gridiron football on our Instagram and on Twitter every day, daily updates, health tips, and NFL news. Don't forget to go to the hub, which is facebook.com, Beauties for weekly updates, breaking news, and inspiring stories just like the Sammy Grisoffi story that's on our Facebook page right now. So go check it out. So uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel for amazing shared videos of girls playing American football. And you've got the new playlist for 2018 WFA, as well as the 2018 Legends Football League playlist. So check it out at youtube.com forward slash gridironbeauty. So we're going to go to the No Joke Football Auto, of course, sponsored by Zazzle.com. And like I said, get your stuff, 2% off. So check it out. Buy the shirts, help out, support because and to elevate and spotlight another talented athlete globally that's playing women's grand great iron so let's go into the huddle with the uh wfa undefeated portland shockwaves and that would be uh quarterback veronica ferguson defensive end tess bear and obviously head coach tim price uh guys welcome to the blitz we want to bring you on uh you guys have been just tearing it up, as uh, Darren said here, just bullets upon bullets. So, uh, Coach Price, let's start with you. Uh, welcome welcome aboard. And uh, WFA was exciting last year, but somehow it seems like this team is ready for Atlanta. So, so far, so good. How come I can't hear? Are you there, uh, Coach Price? Can you guys hear me? I can hear you. This is Veronica Ferguson. Can you hear Hi, me? Hi, Veronica. I can hear you. Okay. I don't know. Hi, Taz. <laughs> I don't hear our, our, coach, coach, Price. our coach. doesn't really do technology, so he might be struggling <laughs> he a little bit. Technology? He only does X's and O's. Is that what you're telling me? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Pretty much. All right. So who do I have on the line? Is Is Tim here or not? I don't, I don't know. We're so. not together, so we're all calling in on different lines. <laughs> okay. And I don't hear him. Here we go. I think, I, think I, just got him, I think I just got him in. So let me just put him on. It'll be one second, guys. Here you go. So should be putting him on here in a second. Coach Tim, 
Yes. Are you on the line? Yeah, can you hear me, Kristen? Yeah, I can hear you. Okay. All right. Coach Tim, I don't know if you're hiding from me, but I need you to be front and center. Oh, no problem. So, Coach, I was saying uh, it's been a kind of a nice ride so far early in the season considering how 2017 ended. So uh, you've got to be very happy. And uh, this weekend you get a clash with the Warriors who have only played, what, one game uh, because their forfeits have been the previous two weeks. So, um, anything that stands out for you that, so far in the season? I know uh, Veronica's been lining it up. Uh, tests have been completely shutting people down. So um, tell us a little bit of what's going on so far in the first four games. Well, uh, uh, we've been playing uh, pretty good football the last four games. Um, I've been playing against some, some okay teams, but I think this weekend we're going to be uh, – Testing to see where we really are as a football team. Uh, the LA Warriors is fast, physical. They got two good running backs. Um, the quarterback is not too bad. So if we come in and play our game and do the things that we need to do and not make a lot of turnovers, then uh, we should be okay. Now, Coach, uh, last year uh, the team was really good. Seattle moves on to the IWFL. Uh, everybody sort of had a, a spotlight in terms of us fans that you guys were the team to beat this year. Did, did you get that sense when all this, all these changes in the off season happened that maybe you are the Northwest staple now? I think everybody uh, recognized that there was a change of the guard from Seattle to Portland. Um, I know when these teams play us, they know they're playing a good team and they got to bring their A game every time they play us. So, I think our players know that now, and I think they know that we're the best in this league, and we got to go out every Saturday and play like we're the best. Coach Price, uh, Atlanta is the goal. You're four games in, undefeated. If you, if and when you get past Los Angeles here, that would be five and zero. Oh. It's a very impressive start. That says a lot about you, your coaching staff, and obviously the players that you uh, rostered this year. So speak to that. Yeah. This is going to be a test to see, like I said, exactly where we are, uh, how good of a team we, we have. Um, last year's team, we had a pretty good team, but I think this year's team is a little bit more closer. Uh, they have fun together. Um, it's just, I mean, this is just a, a game that's going to show our girls where we are uh, as, as a team. And if win or lose, we, 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 it's going to show us that we can get better and what we need to work on to get to Atlanta. Um so this is a real big game. It's a big game for the coaching staff. They know they got to coach their butts off because two years ago we lost to this team. So it's going to be a good challenge. Now, Coach, um, you have been pretty impressive in terms of scoring. So is that because, you know, your offense is so dialed at this point and they're so cohesive and they're putting in the work? that you're getting all the results out of it, uh, as well as defensively. You guys have been pretty playing pretty well lights out on de- on defense. Uh, Tacoma being your rival, of course. Um, and so has that been a good test for you guys too? Yeah, we run a, we run a multiple, we run a multiple offense. Um, if you key on one thing, we'll go to another. Um, we've got real good coaches that can, you know, break down the game. 
game film for themselves and and check out the weaknesses of the other teams. So if they if they concentrate on one thing that we're doing, we got a couple of options within our offense to go to certain things to keep them off balance. So speak to uh, what's been happening in the last three weeks or four weeks here. Uh, who are the key players that we should be diving into besides uh, Ferguson and Bear here? Who else do we have on this squad that we should be uh, watching out in terms of names? You know, I don't think anyone stands out uh, so much that, you know, they should be uh, – out there like that. I just think right now the way our team is, we play as a team. There's no superstars. Everybody's giving it the same amount of maximum effort. Um, so if you ask me truly, I think it's just a group thing. Everybody comes to play. Everybody do their role. And we've just been winning. Well, you got Speedster out there and Danny. Um, Danny's been pretty much a good Speedster out there. Um, you got the offensive line creating some holes. Obviously, you're, you know, what you're doing is, you know, spreading the ball out at the same time. But it also, at the same time, you are putting points on the board, which is very impressive in this league. Um, you know, given the given the breakup of the Dallas Elite, which usually, you know, would put up, you know, 60 or more points a game, uh, we are looking at the shockwave sort of elite-like. Is that a compliment? Yeah, it's complimentary to, you know, offense coordinators, complimentary to the players. Um, we had opportunities last week uh, to put 20 more points on the board, but we had a little fumble issue here and there every time we got in the red zone. So that's that's kind of improvement I'm talking about. We get in a big game like Saturday. We cannot afford to make some kind of mistakes and think we're going to win a football game. So you still got to come focused. Um, we can score on anybody. We have that kind of offense. Um, so if we execute and do the things we need to do, we can put points on the board every time. Now, um, let's talk to Veronica here for a second. So, Veronica, um, I know we had a different quarterback two seasons ago, and so um, I believe it's Haley, right, from right? Holly Petrie. Holly, there you go. Holly Petrie. I wrote down wrong. Yeah. Yeah. So we had, and then, so the change to a, a new quarterback change, we got the the new swing things. Last year was very successful for you guys as well, even though, you know, the playoff situation turned out the way it, it turned out in terms of, you know, these Massey ratings, of course. Um, right. But overall, you guys had a pretty good season last year too. So coming into the season, uh, you know, what was the motivation? Um, so I've played with this team for quite a few years, and uh, the motivation is just to be with my teammates and help support them and get us to that ultimate goal of going to Atlanta. I mean, two years ago, Holly Petrie, yes, she was the quarterback, but we did um, share time. We switched time back and forth, so it was both of our responsibilities um, leading this team to, you know, 8-0, you know, during the season. Um, we share time well. I think we support one another well when it comes to that. She's there for me when I need a breather, and I'm there for her when she needs a breather. So, you know, I support her fully just as well as she does me. 
So, like Tim said, we're so ultimately how, there for each other. No, right. You know? um, so, how exciting is it to be kicking on all cylinders coming into game days? It's got to be very exciting. <laughs> It is. It is very exciting. I mean, we come in each and every week working hard to take the next step, which is the next game. And this weekend, this uh, game against L.A. is going to be huge for our team. Um, we need to come in confident. We need to come in strong. And we need to come in united. Um, that's the bottom line. So, so uh, speak to uh, Veronica, speak to your receivers. Um, and speak to the, the running backs here. I've saw, I saw a lot of highlights in, on, in terms of steel coverage from a lot of folks that are taking photos and stuff from you guys. I didn't see any live film yet, uh, you know, live uh, besides some of the huddle film. So uh, can you tell us a little bit about the chemistry that's going on? Between the I, just, I lost that the coach? last part of it. No, I said, so, can you tell me a little bit about – how the chemistry is going with, you know, your line, your receivers, and, your, and the running backs, and how that's working out so far? You know, each and every practice we get better and better. Um, we have multiple talents on this team. We have a number of wide receivers and a number of running backs that we can go to in any given situation. Um, we pretty much share the load. Um, I try, as a quarterback in passing situations, I try to spread the wealth. There's not usually one particular receiver that I'll go to. I'll obviously look for the open one, but I try to spread the wealth as a quarterback. You know, it makes our team that more, you know, versatile. So, um, and with the running back core, I mean, we have some depth in each, the fullback and the halfback. So, you know, you're if one team is focusing on one running back, I mean, that's not going to work because we have multiple multiple running backs that can do the job. So. Now let's let's go on to Tess here. Tess, uh, defensively, you guys have been putting in uh, shutting down teams here. Uh, Tacoma, Everett. Uh, last game I think was twenty to seven. Pretty tough battle against Everett. Uh, you, your rivals, Tacoma and Everett, uh, they're getting better almost every game against you because you're obviously a, a lot higher tier and they, they just want to be at your level. So how impressive is it for you as a defensive unit to, uh, you know, hold them down to a certain uh, under a touchdown or two touchdowns? Uh, it's actually really impressive. Uh, you're talking about the last couple of years. We've been keeping our score pretty low on defense. But from last year to this year, we have probably three, maybe four returning defensive players that are playing in the same spot. Like mostly last year and the couple of years before I played defensive in and now I'm playing some outside linebackers. And we just have teammates like that who wherever the coach needs us, they tell us where to go, we make adjustments and we play. So we got a lot of people playing in different spots and they're doing really well. We got some great rookies stepping in and some veterans just being, you know, versatile moving around. Tess, will this be a huge road win? if you can contain these, uh, these Warriors to uh, uh, two scores or under? Would this be a huge victory for you guys, uh, defensive end? Oh, yes, definitely. I mean, they're, you're saying Tacoma's our rivals, and Washington's are always tough teams, but any team from California, they're up there. So taking this win away from them, that'll be a great game. Now, uh, Coach Price, um, a lot of folks are saying this is California. 
Cal War Angels West because a lot of the when the Angels disbanded, everybody went to the Warriors. So is it this is similar to the Cal War Angels in terms of rostering uh, a mixture of both teams? So you know they're going to be high powered offense. Oh yeah, I watched them on film and uh, they are a talented uh, group of girls. Um, fast, they come at every position. Um, they have uh, two good running backs, like I said, that's uh, pretty good. Their defense is the line gets off the ball. The linebackers can do well. It's gonna, like I said, it's going to be the ultimate test for our girls to really uh, see what level they're really on and how much work we got. We got to put, you know, into it to get to our goal. Yeah, and you get to see the uh, league owner uh, Lisa King suited up, so that's got to be impressive as well. Try to match up to her. Yeah, yeah, I met her last year coaching in Pittsburgh at the All Star Game. She's a character, uh, but uh, yeah, they got they got a lot of talent over there. So we got to we have to come focused, ready to play, make minimal mistakes, and play hard. And we do what we supposed to. Right. It's gonna be a good game. So, Coach Price, uh, besides uh, taking the view of Southern California, it'd be nice to walk out with the with the W, right? Uh, a, a win is always good. All right. So, um, Tess, defensively, I am I was scoping out the Warriors because they haven't played for what uh, they forfeited two games. So, you know, they got to be hungry to try to come in and maybe disrupt you guys into uh, you know mistakes and maybe get you get a big win because this is this would be their biggest win of the season, uh, second win of the season because they the other two are forfeits. So they're I think they're looking forward to taking you guys down. You see it that way? Oh yeah, I mean that's how women's football is all the time. I feel like we've had the advantage. I mean we've already played four games, so you know the first couple of games you're always kind of getting the kinks out. So we're gelling, we're ready to go. Like you said, this is only their second game. So I think they have uh, more of a challenge than we do. Yeah, and I think, I think you know, impressive, impressive. I have seen you on film. So uh, um, no uh, pushover is the word that I would use. So you, you've been mm-hmm. very, very aggressive as well. So I think the Warriors have something to fear coming into this game. Uh, so, uh, Veronica, at this point offensively, yeah. uh, you might not score as many points because they're a little bit more talented. So uh, to the, your coach's point here, it's going to be uh, taking care of the ball, right? Yeah, we're going to be taking care of the ball. Um, I think our O-line is going to be a key factor in this game. Um, I'd like to give a shout-out to them. But uh, they're going to be huge, and that's going to determine how we do. I mean, running the ball and passing the ball, obviously. So, um, yeah, I think we we are going to step up to this challenge. I think we have you know, we also have home field advantage too. They are coming up here to our field and you know. So I, I expect is for it, us to at least pull out a win here. Oh yeah. And and you guys get a bye week after this week, right? Is this a is this uh into your bye week before you go against Everett, I believe, on the schedule, right? Yes. So wouldn't it be nice to get the win and then just chill for, for a week? And glorified that, yeah, uh, especially after maybe, in Cali. Yeah, maybe do a little bit of golfing. Yeah, it would be nice to <laughs> take a break for a minute and 
you know, rejuvenate and heal and everything we need to do to start out the second half of the season. So you're, you're uh, every QB every QB that I've done is they go back to Jerry Rice mode to climb the uh, mountain, but you're going to golfing, so that's cool. <laughs> yeah. Just kidding. It. Thanks. It's a de-stressor. I know golf is good for de-stressing too. Uh, so yeah, you deserve. It. If you want to go golfing? You can go golfing. Um, this is a great matchup for you guys. I wanted to bring you guys on because. Uh, you know, everybody tells a story about every, uh, you know, how you started and everything else. Uh, I'm always on our podcast. We don't want to tell that story. We want to tell the successes that you're having now. And I think uh, you guys have proven it four and zero coming into this season from 2017 to now. Um, you guys have proven that you're obviously a great unit coming in. This the focus is obviously Atlanta, um, and you got Los Angeles coming up. So. Uh, Veronica, the, the, the mindset of this team, is it totally different than last year when you walked into training camp? Is that why you guys are so good this year? Yes. Like Tim said, um, I, I feel that we are more cohesive as a unit. Um, we're, we're definitely closer than we were last year. Um, we got some of the kinks and some of the um, negative vibes out of the way, and I think it's just brought us together as more of a family unit. So, if we continue to play this way, I think we'll be a strong, strong, strong team. Coach Price, uh, everybody, you know, they mocked Mahal, the Mayaha Blaze last year for playing their, their their schedule. And, you know, some said, hey, this is too easy of a schedule and, and all this other nonsense. So uh, do you, what do you say to everybody here that you're, you know, oh, your schedule is just, you know, you're playing the Everts and the Tacomas and that's how you're getting your wins. Um, we'll see what you do in the playoffs. So is your mindset to try to get to that level where you're getting your team ready for that playoff mode? Yeah, we don't, we don't worry about what people say. You know, if people leave our league and go to another league, that's, that's, that's on them. If they were still in our league, we'll play them twice a year, and we're going to give them what we can. Um, yeah, we, we, we take one game at a time. And right now – yeah, we have a goal to get to the playoff, win playoff games, and go to the championship. But right now we have the L.A. Warriors coming in this Saturday, and that's our main focus, and we're going to get ready, practice hard tomorrow, and prepare ourselves for Saturday's game. And, it, Coach, um, tell tell our uh, listeners how long have you been coaching? Uh, has it been with Portland all all along, or have you done any other coaching at any other level? Uh, I've been coaching high school football here in uh, in Portland, Oregon, for a long time. I was a head coach at Jefferson High School and Park Road High School, and now I'm the current head coach at Roosevelt High School. Um, coached a couple of years of uh, uh, college ball at Southern Oregon University, and I've been a head coach going on my third season here w- with the Shockwave. How has the team evolved, uh, Coach Price, since you've come on board? Has it been a progression of growth and stability? Because uh, everybody goes through that roster drop-off every season to season, or you get a, a core of veterans and then you get a core of rookies and you got to work that out within a couple games in season. So um, tell us a little bit about the, you know, your transition within the, the time that you've been there. Well, the first two years we've been there, it was, it was uh, um, the first year we, we did, we had, a bunch of players, and then we come next year we combined with each other. 
So it's been a grind every year. This year has been the most grind because we got so many rookies and so many new players on the team added with a sprinkle of, of veterans. So we had to, you know, from January to now, we had to get these girls to play together, you know, trying to get them at practice. Uh, it, it's just been a grind. But we got some smart women on our football team that really understands and trying to get the knowledge of football. Some of the rookies who've been playing other sports and never played football before, they're starting to understand what it's all about. So, you know, it's 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 been nice seeing them come together the way they are and compete the way they are. And I thought last week showed how much you know how much uh, mental uh, hard nose you know bad attitude you know they just showed me that they can really play some football as a group. Now uh, the the old thing says. When you're dealing with women, we get drama. So has it been good drama so far in the four wins? Man, I can't tell you how much drama I've been through in three years. <laughs> he likes I, it. I learned, I, I learned it how many daughters can you have? You have 46 daughters. <laughs> yeah, that's not good. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's been crazy. But I would learn to deal with it. I understand what's going on here. But, you know, they got to get to know me. I know I sometimes get on them and frustrate them too, but it's nothing but love, like Veronica said, it's nothing but a family. Yeah, he yeah, loves it, us. Oh, I bet he does. <laughs> With sprints and uh, a lot of a lot of workouts. No. Hills, yeah. Definitely. Yeah, hills for sure. Um, now, the reason I bring it up is because in all seriousness, you know, you always go through that transition, right? You get a, a, a brand new group of players that are either not devoted or not committed enough and they drop off or they start the season with good intentions and then they just kind of abandon the roster. And then you're left with a, a you know, passionate core of players that obviously, uh, you know, give their all for the team. And that happens almost every season. You know, when you get a core of 40 and all of a sudden you're down to a roster of 26 or something like that, and then you got to play, you know, double. <laughs> um, so that happens a lot in terms of, you know, as the season progresses, including injuries. So uh, injury-wise, Coach Price, how are we right now? We're not going to give anything away to the Warriors, but we're okay. Well, we uh, we lost Danny uh, a couple of weeks ago, and we lost one of our offensive linemen, Bonzi, uh, last week to a broken leg. So we're we're oh. running back, and we are offensive linemen down. But you know, we always preach: next person got to step up, fill that void, and and go hard. So we open their replacement. Uh, keep doing what they're doing, and we we just keep rolling. You know, somebody gets hurt, another person got to step in and play. Yeah, well, we'll we wish uh, those um, those players a, a quick recovery, and I know the teams can be very supportive, trying to help them out off off the field too, to get them back on you know in a good state. And I know recovery is pretty tough too when you're rehabbing, because you obviously don't have the NFL salary and the doctors on hand. <laughs> so it works out, doesn't work out. Doesn't work out very good that way. I can tell you from our co-host Holly uh, Holly Custis, she can attest to that. <laughs> She's not being catered. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but other than that, uh, we wish them well. Hopefully, they get you know they they recover first and maybe back on the field again. Um, Coach, is the goal to go undefeated in the season at this point, or is the goal more to get to Atlanta? Our goal right now is to win 
every game we play. And we're starting with this Saturday, like I said. Uh, we're not going to look ahead. We're going to take one game at a time. But, uh, you know, we just got to every, – every Saturday we just got to walk out there on that field. And I always tell the girls, when you walk out there on that field, you know that you're going to win this football game. And you got to believe that. So, we've been working so far, so I hope it continues. All right. Well, whatever Gatorade or Kool-Aid you're feeding them out there, it's working so far. They're firing weapons out there, and they're doing their part. Um, Veronica, how how impressive personally are you to lead this team to 4-0 currently, and now we're going up against a big class here in Los Angeles? Oh, I'm, I'm very impressed by my team. I think uh, my team does great. They step up when they need to. They support each other when they need to. I mean, uh, we just got the whole road ahead of us for this playoff. I mean, we could do wonders out there. So we just stick together and do this as a family. We'll get there. You know, some some of us have been uh, striving for this goal for years. So like Tim said, we'll do it one, one game at a time, one Saturday at a time, and work our way to the top. So each and every one of us out it. there. That's usually the mindset that you've got to have to be successful. I think a lot of teams have this mindset where they'll either, uh, even in their mind, they'll pencil in and say, well, we got six wins, we're good, or four wins, we're good. But uh, you have to take that one-game approach. I think it's the best medicine. Also, the same thing is just successful. Um, Tess, um, the, the defensive end of things here, we don't usually get to see anything of value because you guys don't get – stats so much as offenses do but I always look at the end result at the end of the game and how many uh you know drops or or interceptions or you know stops uh when when I go through the huddle the tapes and stuff like that which is the value of the defense uh which a lot of fans you know they won't relate to that because they don't pay attention to that but when you get you know Mm -hmm. uh, stopping teams under two scores or you know that kind of deal that's a big deal and so, as a defense, how proud is everybody on on this on this side of the ball that you're you're doing your part, and at the same time you're you're contributing to all those wins? Yeah, I mean, we have pretty high standards for ourselves. Congratulations on letting them score one touchdown or two, and we're kind of saying, oh, we probably should have done a little bit better because we've held some teams zero points last year. So, I mean, we've been doing great. We can always do better. So our team can put some points on the board. So defensively, we keep them. We always our goal is always to get a goose egg. So that's what we shoot for. But if you happen to get click one in there too, you know we did our job still. How's uh, t- uh, Coach Tim? How's the special teams on your squad right now? Is uh, because it's usually three phases of the game, and especially in women's football, usually there's a combination of players that you obviously key on to make that special teams core uh, relevant for field position. So uh, where's, where's the uh, shockwave special teams? You know, that, that's our biggest challenge right now is to get our special team up to par. Um, it's hard. And, uh, you know, every, everybody don't show up at practice at the same time so we can get some things done. And then, you know, most of our special teams come through on Saturdays and we do our walkthrough before the game. So it's a challenge, but, you know, the little amount of time we had to spend on special teams so far, we actually been doing a pretty good job. 
Now, you guys have faced Everett, Tacoma. You probably are tired of seeing them, and you're going to face them again, Everett, Tacoma, all the way down through the season. Um, have they been shocked, as they say, about your success so far on the field? How you've elevated your game so far to, to another level? Uh, I'm pretty sure that they they think they, you know, each team comes in thinking they're going to be better than what they were last year, and they're pretty sure both of them thinking that they can be they can beat us on a good day, and hopefully we never let that good day happen. So um, I thought that uh, Everett became a better football team than they were last year. Uh, they got some good football players on that team. So we play. We got to play them two more times. So like I said, we got to take one game at a time, be focused, and handle our business. Yeah, I know the coach, uh, coach out there uh, in Everett, he's very strategic, so um... – I'm 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 pretty sure he's going to be looking to every challenge down the road here on left on the schedule to try to put one up on you guys. Yes, they will. So, um, Veronica, let's uh, speak to Los Angeles here. Uh, you're coming in mindset. Uh, what is a, gr- a game preparation? Is it golfing before the the kickoff? You're going to just dive into Los Angeles and start playing some golf before you go out there and start throwing some footballs, or what's your routine? Yeah. No, I'm I'm gonna get, watch some game film and uh, study their defense a little bit. Um, I really got to focus on what their defense is doing and be able to, uh, you know, pick apart in the passing game. Um, of course, then focus, study with my line and make sure that we're picking up blitzes and things like that. Um, really, we just need to come into this game and do what we do best and you know, have the confidence that we that we should have in ourselves and, you know, we should be successful. All right. So is it Ben and Jerry for everybody if you guys win? Or what's the perk? <laughs> sure, I guess. Ben and Jerry's that's 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 good. <laughs> I've I've had i I've heard stories of other teams when they win they give out certain things or they go to certain pubs or they have a, a, you know, like sort of a traditional thing. Is there anything you guys do after a win? You guys go to a certain location or anything like that? uh, McMinimins actually. And I think if we pull out this win, that dinner's on the coaches (laughs) pretty much. I'm pretty sure that's what How nice. I'm pretty sure this is the first he's heard of it, but (laughs) yeah, I'm pretty sure that too. I like that idea though. (laughs) <laughs> uh, there you go to, uh, Coach Price I believe the tab's not there yet Did, did you say that? Yeah. What did he say? He said yep He, still he said the tab's not there yet No yeah. the tab's never there <laughs> Wow Okay well I can tell you Ben and Jerry's is cheaper than A full tab It's pretty easy to get Ben and Jerry's Make everybody happy Um Tess, so uh, after a win, what does what the, the defense do at this point? You know, what, offense, is it just a group collective after the win, or is there a ritual after the win from the defense? Oh, yeah, we just do everything together. <laughs> we have a, we're a little low numbers this year, so t- most of our offense plays defense. So when a win's a win and we're all together. <laughs> We hang out in the locker room, and then we always have a good time over at McMinimum. So that's that's their usual routine. 
And playing both sides of the ball, I think, gives you a better skill set, doesn't it, in some aspects of it? Because I've had players tell me when they play one side of the ball, it's sort of like when you get too much, too much numbers, you know, like Utah, for example, we've got 53 and three platoons, as an example. <laughs> that would be nice to have, right, Coach Price? Three platoons, 50-man <laughs> roster, just kind of like getting them out there. Uh, just like a military – I don't know. I don't know how that works, but I, I've never experienced that even in high school. But anyways, Utah runs that. But for you guys on both sides of the ball, it's got to be pretty nice to sometimes play both sides because it sort of gives you a strategic edge, right? Yeah, them, them playing both sides of the ball gives them a, you know, it's an advantage. And plus, some of them like it because they get to stay out there on the field all day long and play, and some of them never come off the field. But it it, it improves their skills as a, as a football player because they got to do more than one thing. So I think it helps them out happen sometimes when you go both ways. And plus, they're getting better shape. Oh, that's what. That's what I've heard from uh, a, a bunch of players that play dual roles, uh, especially when you get down to a, a depleted roster. Sometimes you get to that stage where you're forced to do that. Uh, but other players really embrace that. So, um, you know, they, they really love the fact that they can play both sides of the ball. So, um, so Tess, uh, going into L.A., uh, are you going to give us the prediction here? You're not losing, of course. But is there, uh, you know, you're keeping them under two? Under four, what's, what's the goal here? Or is it a donut? Yeah. I mean, like I said, the goal is always a donut. Uh, yeah, keep them under two. Definitely two touchdowns, we got them. All right. And, Veronica, are we going to light it up with five, four? What are they expecting here? The light show? <laughs> Something like that. Um, I don't want to predict any points, but we usually have a goal, the offensive unit with the coaches and stuff, uh, They'll name some points that we're trying to put up on the board this game, and that's what we'll shoot for. So, All right. Coach Price, uh, you've already said it. You're going for the win. This is uh, one game at a time. Very very competitive uh, matchup uh, in Los Angeles. So um, once you get out of here, you get the bye week. So that's going to be nice to, for you to rest up. Yeah. It's, uh, it's been a long grind since January. And uh, you know, it'd be good for the girls to get a break too, rest their bodies a little bit. Um, not so much, you know, going through practice and being able to rest. And uh plus we have a golf tournament too, so they can have a little bit more fun that Saturday. Yeah. So I'm assuming you guys are I'm assuming you guys are golf enthusiasts out there from what I hear on this whole interview here. You guys are into golf a lot. Is that is that because of the area in Portland? Is it a big thing in Portland where it's a lot of golf? We are um, actually having a fundraiser for our team. So that weekend, okay. our bye weekend, we are throwing a big golf tournament. So go ahead, Tim. Oh, it's going to be a great. To it. Yep. Well, we do a golf tournament. We do a golf tournament every year uh, to help raise funds for the for the program. Um, it's it's a, it's a good it's a good event um, that we get do every year, and you know with the golf tournament they get a gift bag. The participants uh, get a, a lunch, buffet style, 
and we have awards, and we have a, uh, a raffle afterwards to try to raise as much money as we can for the program. Awesome. So, Coach, uh, I wish you well in Los Angeles. Strategically, I know you're going to kick some butt, as they say. Uh, Veronica, so I guess when I read up the stats, which I don't have, but once you post it on your website, I'm pretty sure I'm looking at four touchdowns or more. I'm kind of holding you to that, I guess. And then uh, yes. Tess, uh, the goal is the donut, so I guess I would expect the donut. So hopefully that would be All the right. case. Is it fair enough? Sounds good. Yeah. Everybody, sounds don't, ex- nobody disagrees with me? No. No? no. Oh, okay, well, Los Angeles – Los Angeles has got a battle on their hands. I can tell you that right now. And if they've only, if they've only played one game, uh, to Tessa's point, uh, if they're jittery about it, I guess they're going to be shocked. <laughs> good one. <laughs> All right. I got it. So that was good. Um, I really, I really appreciate you guys coming on, uh, making the time. I wanted to get you guys on uh, because we want to obviously spotlight the best of the best. And you guys this year are the best of the best, uh, considering on the West Coast. And uh, so congratulations to your program. I know, uh, you know, to the two players you said they're injured and have some severe injuries. So hopefully they recover and, and get back on their feet. Uh, Coach uh, Price, uh, very well oiled machine so far. We're going to Los Angeles, get, keeping the, uh, the fuel going here. So I wish you success uh, after this weekend. And uh, Tess and Veronica, I really appreciate it. And uh, keep playing and keep grinding and doing your thing. Thank, thank you, you for having us in, man. Yeah, thanks All right, for guys, I look, look forward to the results this weekend uh, for the uh, LA Warriors taking on the Portland Fighting Shockwave, and they are going for 5-0, and so we'll see what the result is on Saturday. So congratulations so far on your great season. Thank, thank you. you. Thanks. All right, have a great weekend, you guys. Uh, we'll look forward to the results on Sunday. All right. Good night. Thank you. All right. So that was uh, Veronica Ferguson and D.N. Tess Bear and head coach Tim Price of the Portland Fighting Shockwaves. And they're going into battle against the L.A. Warriors this weekend, WFA Week uh, week 5. And so um, it's going to be a huge battle. We'll do the previews for week five because we kind of run out of time here. We got about 15 minutes. Um, we got to go into uh, the recap for Legends Football League week one and two here. So uh, we're going to dive into that. But uh, you know what? Portland just all, all cylinders doing their thing. And it's going to be an impressive clash coming up in Southern California this weekend. And we'll keep tabs on the WFA key games. Um, you can always go to WFAProFootball.com. You can go, go to the IWFLSports.com um, to get the IWFL slate games. Uh, the key games are in the WFA. We'll keep tabs on it. Backseat coach will probably have preview for week five. Game previews, you can check them out at the WFAProFootball.com site and get the lowdown there. Um, let's like, dive into LFP Mexico week two. Uh, Prokankas. Uh, 24, Evil Queens 98, uh, and then you had Casaderas 60, uh, the Redskins uh, 14, the Potros 19, they lose to Pretty Monsters, which is the, the team to beat in this league. Uh, check out our Facebook page for all the live video. 
of LFP Mexico, the Liga de Football del Pacifico, and they're getting covered all wall-to-wall coverage by DTV in both sections of Sinaloa and Culiacan, and they are the equivalent of Legends Football League in Mexico, and they have, their branding has elevated themselves so, so big time. The other league that we cover is WFL. You can get the lowdown there on our Facebook page as well with the uh, WFL Week 2. Uh, v Queens in Week 1 defeated JV uh, Ladies 32-6. to six. Um, You can get the recap at, via El Dario de Cohila.com. Red, Red Devils took care of Vicaras. Uh, uh, 29 to 6. You get the week three slate going there on our Facebook page. So let's uh, let's go ahead and dive in here to Legends Football League Week One. And we had the Jane Conwell and the Blitz taking on the LA Temptation coming into this game. Los Angeles literally depleted. Uh, did not have Ashley Salerno in their corner. Uh, so both teams came in the game missing key personnel. Uh, Crystal Harris moving on to the Atlanta Steam, which she, you will see this, this coming weekend, taking on the Austin Acoustic in, Houston, in uh, Austin, Texas. As the Acoustic go in back-to-back weeks, trying to look for their first win, now they're going to take on uh, the Atlanta Steam and Dakota Hughes and Crystal Harris. So the, bl- the Blitz... Um, just basically took care of business against the uh, Los Angeles Temptation. Uh, Kiara Patterson played not so well. Coach Tui came in with pretty much not a very good game plan, and their offensive coordinator was really ineffective. Uh, both offenses started slow with L.A.'s Patterson committing turnovers on the first offensive series. Uh, Chicago moved the ball effectively between the 10-yard lines, but obviously would not do very well in the red zone. Um, the Blitz managed to mount a five-play, 23-yard drive late in the first quarter en route to Javel Thompson for a one-yard TD run, giving the Blitz an early 6-0 to zero lead. Uh, Jane Caldwell, while not doing so well on the sky, showed considerable improvement over last year uh, by managing the offense to uh, a touchdown drive on their first series in the second quarter. Uh, so calling on her own number for a one-yard touchdown, that led the Blitz to a 14-0 early lead. Los Angeles could not get anything going on the ground, so uh, L.A. continues its offensive woes in the second quarter, not scoring a single point through 20 minutes of play. And so L.A. did not score its sole touchdown until six minutes remaining in the fourth quarter. That is not really L.A.-like. They have uh, Delaney Hall. They had some weapons. Cynthia Smith was out, of course, but they had talent on there, and they just did not use it. Uh, Chicago added two more scores, both by breakout rookie Tamika Robinson, a 13-yard run and a 30-yard pass from Jane Conwell. Uh, the Blitz left little doubt of who's the better squad on that night with a 28-6 victory. Los Angeles, they need to patch up this quarterback situation if Salerno's coming back or not. Uh, Patterson just didn't seem like she got enough reps. Uh, backup quarterback Michelle Kenny actually um, probably looked like quarterback, but she did go 0 for 5 with an interception, which is clearly not the answer. So we have quarterback issues in Los Angeles with the temptation, which gave up 28 points on short field advantages that they gave the Blitz. Uh, they went four and out on, and committed turnovers all, all night. Chicago's offense left with great field position, and there you go. The result is L.A. just with a horrible situation 
uh, offensive coordinator Rory Derry uh, obviously needs to reevaluate himself first and needs to reevaluate the quarterback situation there in Los Angeles. And the lack of no Carmen Bursell and the lack of the line doing a very good job just goes to show you that Los Angeles is, was not ready uh, for this matchup. And um, Crystal Harris not being in Chicago Bliss, Javel, uh, Javel Thompson as a full-time starter was very impressive in her outing, as well as Chantel Taylor, Marissa Galladay, and Kristen Morrison up front on defense. And so they just take care of business. Um, on top of that, game MVP Allie Alberts and the addition of Teresa Petrozillo just couldn't be any more worse. Um, so big all-star defense secondary in Chicago. They're going to go. They're going to go very well this season. Uh, it's just a matter of how Caldwell plays. If she plays offensively well done, then this team is going to be the team to beat. LA lick its wounds and they will face the rematch against them at home in Los Angeles on May 11th which if the Blitz can get another win, that pretty much puts a damper on the temptation season. So I'm hoping that that's not going to happen, but uh, it looks like that more than likely is the situation. Uh, week two of Legends Football League, the biggest story was obviously Danica Brace being named head coach of the National Knights and the addition of K.K. Matheny, Stevie Schnorr, and MVP Jade Randall. So all the attention was literally on Nashville and the game started and ended with offensive fireworks, of course, with KK Matheny and uh, wide receiver Jay Randall picking up where they left off in 2017, connecting on a 30 yard touchdown bomb on the first play from scrimmage. Sort of looked like it was Chris Michelson in the arena, making the play calls. Don't, I, I just don't want to say much about that, but I'm pretty sure that's what it was. And so you have Seattle West right off the bat. Um, Matheny, was not done there. She also connected with Daniel Hawkins on a pattern, and Hawkins took it to the house for 35 yards and later hit around little again, this time for a 15-yard score. Um, so at this point, the Knights were rolling. Um, it's just Dominic Malloy. You got Stevie the Bull Snore. Uh, both scored on the ground and, more importantly, moved the chains consistently throughout the night. Uh, Austin came into this game knowing it had to, you know, produce itself in a better light. But the, defensively, they were they were just taken advantage of. Offensively, they couldn't get anything done. And so as of late in the game, the only thing they could muster late in the game was really uh, Leilani Lopez, the story of the acoustic night uh, late in the game. And she literally uh, made an impact late to kind of keep it close. But there's a star there, and if they start using them, um, you're able to take care of that. Uh, Steph Wickett returned at center was probably a benefit to them. And so the Knights now ready for a colossal matchup, returning to Seattle to battle Seattle Miss on Saturday, May 19th, a matchup that is being called the Seattle Fans Trader Bowl um, because of Chris Michelson leaving and Danica Brace being at the Knights and Kiki Matheny and the rest of the crowd being on the Nashville team. Austin would have, have to pick themselves up because they get this weekend, they prepare for a fight to save its season. It does not get any easier as they go up against the Atlanta steam and Dakota Hughes and the Ferrari, Chris Del Harris. So coach uh, Michael Oliveira still needs to figure out how to win here and they have talent. They got to use offensive talent as much as possible. Um, we will go ahead and recap uh, week three, which is a, a clash of clashes. And you would have not thought of that at all considering the Omaha heart 
versus the Denver Dream last year. So this year, uh, the 7-6 victory by Omaha and Denver will be the LFL Football, uh, football Night uh, YouTube um, broadcast. That'll be Saturday, so you can check that out. It's uh, Omaha Heart taking on the Denver Dream, a 7-6 tight game. You don't want to miss that coming up this weekend. And so week four, uh, it's going to be in Austin, uh, May 5th, Cinco de Mayo, and it is the uh, Acoustic looking to stay, uh, keep their playoffs hopes alive, just like the Temptation. Take it on the Atlanta Steam this Saturday. It's going to be at HEB um, Arena. And so uh, that's going to be Coach Oliveira and the Austin Acoustics must win this weekend. We'll see how Spiché uh, Winfrey and – if they're using Alani Lopez for their weaponry. So uh, check it out, and we'll see if we can see Cassandra Bills kind of spread out and step up. Uh, so that's going to be pretty much the key matchup for Legends Football League coming up this weekend. Um, so go to our Facebook page, check it out. We also have the German League kicking off. We got the Swedish League in action. You get the update there. Oro Black Knights continue to dominate um, this weekend. And uh, Division Two in Germany kicked off this weekend you get the results on our twitter feed as well as you can go to our facebook page and check out the schedule there so um if you haven't visited our shop yet make sure you go to zazzle.com for slash great beauties get your shirts leggings and gifts use daily code save big and you can also subscribe to zazzle black for free shipping um so take advantage of that don't forget to add us on snapchat at gridiron beauty and follow us on instagram as well you are listening to the best podcast covering women's American football and NFL news weekly. And we are very proud to do that. Thanks for following us here on block talk radio and make sure you download and subscribe to our Apple podcast every week. And we really appreciate that. And thank you for uh, subscribing to our uh, podcast. Don't forget to check out the playlist on our YouTube channel, subscribe to our YouTube channel as well to get the alerts when that goes on for amazing shared videos of girls playing American football. So we want to thank uh, Portland Shockwave quarterback Veronica Ferguson, DN Tess Bear, and head coach Tim Price for coming in, as well as the informative and always insightful Darren Stanky for giving us the insights on the Western Women's Canadian Football League. Um, for our absent co-hosts, uh, Holly, Holly Custis, Troy Wilson, Louise Bean, and Tracy Brick. This is Oscar Lopez saying we'll catch you here next week as we talk about more women's gridiron and playoffs in Spain and in Australia, as well as the full slate of week five WFA and IWFL. So uh, see you guys in here next week. Have a great weekend, everybody.